Welcome to Nate's Take on Real Estate. I'm Nate Cody, a realtor with Park Place Homes in Midland, Michigan. And I've noticed people love to talk about real estate. The good, the bad, and especially the ugly. So, why not podcast about it? Between bouts negotiating for clients like you, I interview noteworthy, knowledgeable guests about all kinds of topics in the world of real estate. From the practical, what do you do when a house fails an inspection? To the weird, you bought the house because it has a ghost? My guest today is Mindy Goodrum. Mindy is a member of the Huron Pines AmeriCorps and is spending her term of service with the Little Forks Conservancy to learn more about nonprofits, land management, invasive species, as well as explore many new parts of Michigan. She already has a good grasp on the invasive plants and insects in addition to her community organizing skills. Mindy talks with me about conservation at home a favorite program of mine administered by the Little Forks Conservancy in which private landowners, meaning anyone with a yard, can benefit from the Little Forks staff's advice and knowledge on how to nurture and support nature in their backyard and gardens. Friends and neighbors will know a participant is a true friend of Mother Nature's when the Conservancy bestows upon them a yard sign proving they are now Conservation at Home certified. So please, join Mindy Goodrum and me on today's episode of Nate Takes on Real Estate. Well, hello, Mindy. Hey, Nate. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well as well. I got to tell you, before I started real estate, I had heard about this program that you're going to tell us about today, and it just hit a button with me. I just think it's the neatest thing ever. The idea of bringing this down to the level of individual homeowners really blew my mind. And I'm purposely being vague because we want to leave it <laughs> leave it to you to talk about a little bit. But I was an auditor for GM, and we'd go to these plants, and they'd have some setups like this for the plants trying to green up things. And that was really neat. And just when I came to Midland and I heard about this program, I really liked the idea of it. So now that I've muddied the waters, could you tell us a little bit about this program? Conservation at Home is actually a program that was started by the Conservation Fund, which is an organization just outside of Chicago. And then Little Forks started implementing it about four or five years ago. And it's a really great way to interact with the more urban um, landowners in the Midland area. A lot of Little Forks work is focused on maybe more rural landowners that have larger parcels of land that we work with for conservation easements. So this is a really cool program that allows us to focus on improving some of the environments in the more urban, maybe smaller landowners. It's a program that kind of recognizes people that promote environmental sustainability in their yard practices. And it's a good way of, you know, implementing act local, you know, kind of empowering. So even people with really small, like a third of an acre, that's big enough to participate in this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you don't need a lot of land. It's really just about how you're using the land and using best practices to make it as environmentally friendly as you can. Yeah, and that's that's a neat idea. All right, two things. Is it the Little Forks or is it Little Forks? So I think technically on the, the charter, it is the Little Forks Conservancy. Technically the Little Forks. Yeah. But when you guys are sitting around the office eating cookies, what do you call it? 
usually we'll just shorten it to little forks, you know. Little forks. Yeah. Okay. It's off the tongue a little easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, this program's called Conservation at Home, and the at is the good modern, the at symbol for Twitter, I guess, is the idea, or kind of like an online modern twist to it. How long has Little Forks been doing this program? I believe about four or five years, our community outreach manager, Andrea Foster, was actually brought on to help implement this program. Um, So when she was hired, that's when we started implementing it. And how's it going? Pretty well. It started off pretty strong and we have had a little bit of a decline, I would say, in interest. So we're trying to kind of reintroduce people to it, remind them that it's here. Um, It's really just we're here to help the community make their yards more environmentally friendly. It helps with the the Little Forks mission to improve the natural environment of mid-Michigan. So that's kind of why we're here. I would love to get hold of a property that, that I was marketing to sell. Mm-hmm. and work that in. You know, I've gotten a certification for being a green realtor, which means I've studied ways to make houses more energy efficient, lower the carbon footprint, and then a few things like working with how you collect and use rainwater and things like that. And learned a little bit about how to market that because younger first-time homeowners are more interested these days in getting a conservation, you know, message and and having a house that's more efficient yeah. and it's not even necessarily for lower bills, although that's the result of it in the house, but they like the idea. So I would love to get a house to sell it to try and market this with this way to focus what's what's happened. Let me tell you a little bit more about the program first. So it's basically based off of these five principles to promote the sustainability. So it's the use of native plants, the control and removal of invasive plants, creating habitat for wildlife and pollinators, using water sustainably in your yard, and then sustainable lawn management. So people tend to come to us maybe with questions about what they can do to make their yard more environmentally friendly. They have yard projects coming up and they want to do them in the best way possible. So they'll come to us and part of the program is that we'll go out for a free site visit to their yard to be able to see it and give them some ideas of what they can do to improve their yard. So on a, on a personal front here, I've got all of these elements I've got at my house, Mm -hmm. but it's, I'd never say it's an extensive, we had an area around a telephone pole in the corner of the house. It was really sandy and bright and never gets water. And we Mm -hmm. went out to the native plant sale out Chippewa nature center a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. bought a couple of different native grasses that you don't have to do anything with and planted those. And they've just gone crazy, just wonderfully. I mean, they've stayed in their area, but I don't do anything with them every year. Mm -hmm. I mean to go out and maybe try, brim the dead grass and stuff like that never have once gotten out there to do it you know but it's just a little patch yeah i've got one bat house with just a few bats in it we're always lucky to have any bats or feel, feel lucky to have any bats now this program ends in an actual certification right a stamp of approval from little forks or from from this program how extensive do these modifications have to be or yeah, does that the, make sense? Yeah, no, they don't have to be super extensive. Basically, we would be looking for that you're trying to improve your yard on each of those five principles. So, you know, a few bat houses are great, maybe a few bird houses too to yep. promote that as well. Or um, some other habitat options are like brush piles, having a pollinator garden or a rain garden is always nice. What is a brush pile? Tell me 
So it's well, I know what a brush pile is, but I've never heard of that. Yeah, so literally just a pile of sticks, kind of generally laid out in sort of a lattice form, and it provides great habitat for rabbits, other small mammals, um, insects. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, I like that. I've got, (laughs) I've got someone I'm looking at listing their house very soon, and that's half their backyard. For some reason, they cut a bunch of branches down and left them there, and we could make something, you know, make something of that. That's fascinating. I've never heard of that one. Okay, uh, I interrupted you though. Yeah, so just as long as you're hitting at least some of the points on all five of those principles is kind of what we're looking for. It doesn't have to be, you know, a super garden with a giant pond and everything, you know, under the sun. But as long as you're working towards all of those. Okay. Yeah, we've got another favorite I've got is just a few of the Chippewa Nature Center bee, bee nests, bee houses, piece Mm -hmm. of wood. Bee houses, yeah, insect houses. Insect houses. I also like the idea of bringing nature closer to your house, closer to your children, making it part of your your life. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of the beauty of this is it will bring, you know, if you plant a nice rain garden or pollinator garden, it'll bring lots of butterflies and birds closer to your house, maybe, maybe some hummingbirds. So that's always a really nice touch. And especially if you're using native plants, it'll bring in those native pollinators, um, which is really what you want. Now let's take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor. <laughs> it's me. I'm our sponsor. Hey, I'm a realtor. Either you or someone you know and care for is considering buying or selling a house. I want to be your real estate guy. On your behalf, I will work diligently to get it done and as smoothly and with as little stress as possible. Give me, Nate Cody, a call at Park Place Homes at 989-698-1100, extension 140, or better yet, call or text me at 989-600-4214 and together... We'll get you moving. Now, back to the interview. Another thing I've learned recently is don't cut down those dead stems of your garden or your, you know, your native plants till in the spring it warms up to a certain point because apparently there are pollinators that overwinter in stems and things like that. It makes sense. That right there could have a huge impact because people usually say, get it all out of there, you know, even in the fall after they die. Mm -hmm. I make myself look good by telling people that, but (laughs) I just, you know, heard it from my mother-in-law who took master gardener classes. Yeah, and even like leaving some of that you know, fall leaf matter on your yard or leaving the lawn clippings after you mow your lawn is a good way to naturally fertilize your lawn as well and reduce your synthetic fertilizer use. Do people ever come to you and say, okay, I just bought this house. I've got just a green monoculture lawn. Mm -hmm. Since I've been here, I've only been out on a few visits that the people are just starting to get into or they want to get into the program. So you know, they've maybe started applying some of the principles. They're planting native trees or they want to put in a nice garden and they have maybe a rain barrel or two. So we kind of go out and give them some more suggestions on like, here are some plants you could put in that garden. Why don't you think about 
you know, installing some some birdhouses or bat houses to, um, I don't know, people don't really come back to us too much after the program. My wife and I are looking at buying some land outside of town, yeah. a house, because we kind of like that. And I was walking one and I was like, I'd really like to get those Little Forks people out here mm-hmm. and just give me a rundown of if any of this looks like it's, you know, runaway exotics. I recognize a few but to get you guys out there and get a feel for what kind of shape the land is in. I know that converting or uh, maintaining a larger piece of property, it can get expensive. It's not a one, you know, unfortunately for someone like me, it's not a one quick fix and then everything's done. It's a, it's an ongoing process. Right. Do many people in Midland, have you known of many people that put in rain gardens? I know a few that have. I don't think it's as common as it would be beneficial to have. We have one right outside of our office here you can see behind you oh you Um, do yeah with all those nice flowers in it and a rain garden is essentially a pollinator garden at the same time yeah if If, you plant it with the right species if you design it right yeah so a rain garden is essentially just a regular garden planted in sort of a depression or an area that gets a lot of water you might put one kind of where your the gutter from your house spits out and Mm -hmm to kind of slow down the runoff of that water into your yard or onto, especially if it heads towards your driveway, um, where it can run off and pick up pollutants and end up back in the water stream. You want it slowed down and you want it to absorb through and down to the groundwater versus going through the sewer system. And then, you know, you could, Midland's got a big flooding problem. Yeah, exactly. So the rain garden is kind of dual purpose in that it slows the water down so it gives it more time to absorb into the ground instead of overwhelming the storm systems and causing more flooding. And the plants also naturally filter pollutants or any sort of debris or toxins that might be in that water out of it before it hits groundwater or the any rivers nearby. How long ago do you know was this put in? That was put in, I believe, like three years ago. You know, we're not on a visual medium, but it's a beautiful, just a little garden with bright yellow, some purples, you know, just a lot of different things of native. I'm assuming those are native if you guys put it together. Yeah, we've got some golden rods, some cone flowers. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Tick seed or those tall yellow flowers. Tick seed? Mm -hmm, Yellow tick seed. Oh, that's great. I've never heard of that. Is the ground preparation elaborate or is it kind of just finding a depression where the water kind of naturally goes and, and going from there? Yeah, ideally, if you already have that depression where water collects, then it's really not hard at all. You know, you just kind of put the plants in, maybe set up a little barrier with maybe some rocks to help additionally filter things out on the sides. If you don't have that natural depression, it might be a little more work to yeah. to dig out a small depression, but... Otherwise, it's really not that not that difficult. I first started hearing about the rain gardens from the Chippewa Nature Center out there years ago. And at first I was like, because I, I like a pond. I, I like mm-hmm. a, a water feature and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, it's a rain garden. Oh, they, well, there's never sitting water in it. You know, what good is that? So and over time, I've learned about them and you you apply the different concepts. And well, you're you're looking at bringing in native birds and insects and helping groundwater and it's an 
anti-pollutant kind of idea. So it takes a little conceptual thinking and it takes some education. And now just the idea of them, I just think they're totally cool. And I think probably most people that see them or a lot of times people see them and think, well, there's some wildflowers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And But they're very simple and beautiful. And you can see them all around the buildings at Chippewa Nature Center out yeah. there. So. I think that's tremendous. Another good resource for conserving water is installing a rain barrel um, at your house, which is just you put it under the downspout of your gutter and you can use that water for watering your gardens, watering your lawn, cleaning your car, cleaning things around your house. And it's a really good way to conserve water and again, reduce that runoff and flooding maybe after a storm. And on the average roof, a quarter inch of falling rain can be over 200 gallons of water. So you'd really be saving a lot of water there. So that's another good option that we like to encourage people to put in their yards for this program. And then talking about mowing and lawn care too. You've mentioned you put some native grasses in your yard, which is awesome. Um, Those native species tend to be slower growing, which means less lawn maintenance over time. And keeping your yard higher is actually better. It's a better habitat for, you know, native species that might want to use it. It also means less care for you, less frequent mowing, and just kind of encouraging use of native species of grass or maybe even allowing some of those species that we might consider weeds like dandelions um, to come into your yard a little bit as that's um, also a good source for pollinators. Yeah, a weed is just a wildflower where it's not supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. We've chosen the really pretty things that don't live very well here mm-hmm. and we've demonized the more subtle plants that really thrive here and do really well we've given them a bad name yeah. and now it's like fighting an upward battle you're yeah. always fighting away now no one likes stickers in their yard and, and <laughs> different things like that but uh yeah i i agree with you that apparently clover used to be much more and i kind of remember that from growing up we had a lot of clover in our yard and, mm-hmm. and now we spray to kill the to kill the clover and stuff like that. I remember we just had tons of bumblebees. Yeah. You'll be interested. I've recently met over Facebook a woman named Julie Smith in our uh, community here. I don't know if you've heard of her or not. What caught my eye is someone put on Facebook that they had either bees or wasps below the cement slab, mm-hmm. you know, and what what do I do? And, you know, you get the five burn them with fire, you know, and people put gifts of people with flamethrowers and stuff like that. And then there's this Julie Smith and, and she says, I'll message you. We can rehome those. Oh, wow. And since then, I've spoken to her and she does it as a business. She charges a little bit, but she will literally come out and using a modified vacuum and as best she can remove all the insects, remove the queen she hopes she gets Mm -hmm. the queen and so that's all you know and then seals it up and and takes care of the problem but she takes it out to some property that they own Mm -hmm. and releases them out there and she has a number of bald-faced hornets and paper wasps on her property that she has released out there and she's also a beekeeper Mm -hmm. and has a lot of a lot of bees and just the idea of somebody that would take the time or the care to take what we really consider the baddies right you know and rehome 
rehome paper wasps or rehome you know i i think that's fascinating so uh if if you have a problem like that even with the worst of the hornets called or get on facebook to julie julie smith i don't have her number here but apparently she's got quite a collection on her land wow that's awesome yeah of of rehomed rehome pollinators she calls them all pollinators are you know i don't know if you know are you like yellow jackets considered pollinators or hornets yeah lots of wasp species um are really good pollinators they kind of fly a little under the radar there and even a lot of fly species moths things you don't think of bats are really great pollinators sure so a much wider variety than just the the bees and the birds and the butterflies yeah all right well thank you so much mindy yeah yeah thanks for coming to talk to me about this thanks so much for joining us today when you need a realtor give me a call at 989-600-4214 together we'll get it done with both professionalism and a little bit of humor Let me know if you have a topic you'd like me to cover on this podcast by dropping me a line, or even better, stop by and see me at Park Place Homes at 1007 East Wackerly, right here in Midland, Michigan. And for all you Facebookers, you can find me by searching for Nate Cody at Park Place Homes. And don't forget the A in Cody. It stands for, uh, what a good realtor. Keep your eye on the market, and I'll see you out there.